Welcome to Intersect, where church meets culture. I'm Josh Desch, lead pastor at Northeast Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina, and I am joined as always by my inspiring wife, Betsy. Betsy, how are you today? Hey, everybody. You are very inspiring. Thank you. Well, <laughs> folks, a book review today, book review, and the book review is of the book Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. Bets, tell our audience a little bit about this book and who Brian Stevenson is. Yeah, the book is Just Mercy. The subtitle is A Story of Justice and Redemption. So um, I would imagine a lot of um, our listeners are familiar either with the book, it was published in 2014, or with the movie that just came out either earlier this year or last year. Mm-hmm. So this is a this is a book that's been around for a while. Brian Stevenson is a Harvard Law School grad. Um, he's an attorney. He is a law professor now at the NYU School of Law in New York City. So obviously he's a smart guy. He's the founder and executive director of the Equal Justice Initiative, which is a human rights organization that is in Montgomery, Alabama. So um, from EJI, that EJI standing for Equal Justice Initiative, from their website, um, it describes Brian Stevenson this way. Mr. Stevenson is a widely acclaimed public interest lawyer who has dedicated his career to helping the poor, the incarcerated, and the condemned. EJI has won major legal challenges eliminating excessive and unfair sentencing, exonerating innocent death row prisoners, confronting abuse of the incarcerated and the mentally ill, and aiding children prosecuted as adults. So that's a little bit about Brian Stevenson and the Equal Justice Initiative that he has founded. So the book, um, Just Mercy, tells the story of um, Brian Stevenson's career as an attorney. Mm-hmm. And it um, it's a really interesting book because it interweaves the story of one man that he worked with, Walter McMillan, um, with a bunch of other stories. But anyway, um, interspersed through the the entire book is the story of Walter McMillan. Um, He's a man who was wrongfully accused of murder. Um, He was a black man. He was accused of the murder of an 18-year-old white girl in um, Alabama. And it tells a story. He was seen by dozens of witnesses. Um, Just as you read the story, it becomes more and more clear that he had nothing to do with this murder. But yet he was arrested. He was put on death row pre-trial. And there was there were just so many um, injustices committed against him. He ended up, well, I guess it's not a spoiler because you kind of figure it out early on. He ended up spending six years on death row before he was exonerated. Mm-hmm. So in um, while telling Walter McMillan's story, Brian Stevenson also weaves in the stories of a lot of other people that he's worked with, um, people who were wrongfully accused or children who were who committed a crime and were sentenced as adults. And um, it, it's just a very fascinating book. It's very sobering. It's so moving. I just remember, um, I read it this spring, I think. It's, it's interesting. I feel like the Holy Spirit this spring, really, I just fell under a lot of conviction over my lack of heart engagement with the issue of racism. Um, I'm I'm blessed that this isn't part of my lived experience. I've I'm um but at this spring and summer I just started listening to stories of people of color and I feel like I've been led into a time of really serious repentance for not engaging 
um, more seriously efforts to bring justice in our culture. And um, so reading this book was part of that journey for me. And I'll tell you, I, I read it, and I just remember sitting on the couch crying because it's such a moving story. It's so sad and just tells of so much injustice. Um, so anyway, it, it's a great book. And if any of you who are listening haven't read it, I cannot recommend it more highly. Yeah, and I was following on Betsy's coattails, as is usually the case. <laughs> she came to me later and said, Josh, you have to read this book. And so I went ahead and read it. But it was pretty amazing timing, Bets, because this was, you started this book before George, George Floyd's murder. Yes. And uh, before uh, sort of this issue of racism and uh, just racial tension in the country really exploded on a level that I'm not sure that I have seen in my lifetime. And uh, I'm not sure the last time that um, issues of race were quite at this high point, this mm -hmm. fever pitch. Mm -hmm. And so I went ahead and read the book uh, after Betsy had uh, read it. And um, I read it and I, I was also, you know, a wonderful thing about public libraries these days is you can check out a lot of audiobooks for free. So I ended up listening. I ended up reading it and then going back and listening to most of it again. And uh, it was really helpful. And, and at one point I broke down, which mm -hmm. is not common for me, uh, but one point in listening to the book. Um, but it is a very powerful story. What is so, or one of the things that's just so compelling about it is it's not just a story of... Uh, the fight for justice. It's not just a story about incarceration and the death penalty. It's very much Brian Stevenson's story. Mm -hmm. So here's a man who came from an impoverished background. He goes to college. He gets accepted into Harvard Law School. He starts doing an internship. And Bets, you know that getting into Harvard Law School, I mean, that is the golden ticket. Yeah. I mean, you are going to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. You are going to get uh, the, the white shoe law firm job when it ends when you get out of law school, you're going to make all the money you possibly can ever want in the world. I mean, that's what Harvard Law School sets you up for. But what's amazing is when he was, uh, I think it was at the end of his first year of law school, he went to do an internship and he went to do an internship fighting for the uh, those who were not receiving justice. Mm -hmm. And that is really what changed his heart. You do, his, his Christian faith is undeniable in the yes. book. Mm -hmm. It comes out in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. So that is a bit of how we both uh, came across this book mm -hmm. and, and why we read it. Mm -hmm. So Bets, let's engage this topic by asking this question. We come from a largely white evangelical church, mm -hmm. and I've been a lifelong Presbyterian. You've been a Lutheran and then a Presbyterian for, mm -hmm. for, your, so for, for your life here, and I actually started out as a Baptist, so I do have my Baptist card, uh, <laughs> as, many, as most of us did in the South. But let me, let, me, let me present this question. Why don't we talk about race more? Hmm. Uh, why is this something that, maybe I could put it like this, when the things like George Floyd, when those things happen, it's right in front of our faces. There's no missing it then. There's no, um, for most of us, glossing over it. But why do you think that's not more a part of our engagement in the worlds that you and I both come from? Um, speaking for myself, and I, I imagine a lot of people would um, agree with me, I think sometimes we feel ill-equipped to talk about racial dynamics because 
there's so much complexity there. There's so many different layers. There's, um, you know, sometimes you just feel like, well, I'm not an expert on this, so it's easier just not to say anything. Maybe I'll say something wrong. Mm -hmm. Maybe I won't fully understand an issue. Right. So it's easier for me to disengage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I certainly see that. Mm -hmm. But here's one that uh, you and I can both relate to. We don't actually see a lot of racism in our lived experience. That's right. Right? And, and here, of course, uh, we, we don't experience racism ourselves as white Christian Americans, as white people. There is racism that way, but we I don't think we've experienced it. Mm-hmm. And we haven't really been around sort of overt racism, mm-hmm. right? That's right. So, I mean, you, you imagine, I mean, you know, there are, there are generations that will tell you about growing up where, yeah, I remember where, you know, black kids went to this school and, and I went to this school over here and I watched and I saw signs on bathrooms that said colored and those sort of things. Mm-hmm. We never grew up with that. That's right. So it, it hasn't been part of our lived experience. What else? Mm-hmm. I wonder if, and this is, um, you know, even thinking about this, I think can be, um, it can be painful. It's very convicting, I think. And that should lead us to repentance um, where that is needed. And um, that's different for everybody, obviously. But maybe sometimes do we disbelieve people when they say they're experiencing racism? You know, um, do we just say, oh, you're just playing the race card? Or, you know, that's that's shameful to think about. But I think sometimes that is um, how we can react to these kind of conversations. Yeah, we we wonder, and and I think that's something that most of us wouldn't say out loud, but right. maybe we wonder in the back of our mind, well, is a person using race uh, as an excuse for not taking responsibility or something like that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that's, that's also true. And another one that you and I both agree on is that we aren't always sure what we can do about it. Mm. You know, there's a lot of things that are broken in the world, a lot of things that are messed up, uh, we know that we shouldn't participate in them ourselves right. uh, as believers, as those who who you know say the teaching of the Bible is it's God's word. It's it's that's our ethics. That's what we follow. But yet we wonder with race and racism. Well, other than not being a racist myself, what can I do about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for a lot of people, I think it's hard to know where to go beyond that. Yeah. So these are just our honest and transparent thoughts about, you know, why is, why are these conversations hard? Why is it uncomfortable? Yeah. Um, nonetheless, like a lot of things in the Christian life, this is a conversation that we need to have. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that race is, race and racism is certainly not the only, uh, you know, honest, frank conversation that Christians need to be having today, especially American Christians living in 2020, but it, it's got to be near the top of the list, mm-hmm. if not the top of the list of issues that that we just we can't turn our head away from. That's right. That we that we have to engage on. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to spend a little time uh, in the podcast now talking about some quotes that were convicting to us and really stood out to us from the book. Mm-hmm. So Bets, let me read us off. Uh, let me kick us off. Mm-hmm. Here we go. And read us uh, off. Read us off. <laughs> Maybe that'll catch on. All right. Okay. Brian Stevenson <laughs> says this, and I quote: "Proximity has taught me." some basic and humbling truths, including this vital lesson. Each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. My work with the poor and incarcerated has persuaded me that the opposite of poverty is not wealth, 
the opposite of poverty is justice. Hmm. And I was reminded of that verse in the book of Proverbs, chapter 30, verse 8, where we read, give me neither poverty nor riches. And a lot of times when we think, okay, what is our goal when we see poverty in out there? Is it that those who are impoverished would become rich? And really, that's that's not the goal. You know, wealth comes with its own set of challenges. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that every poor person would say, hey, I'd rather take those challenges than the challenges of being poor. But nonetheless, there's a reason that uh, Proverbs 38 says, give me neither poverty nor riches. The opposite of poverty is not wealth. It's justice. In other words, the ability to, to live a meaningful life and to pursue goals and to do it in a way where you are not being unfairly held down, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, one thing that Brian says, and I've heard him say it in several different places, is, um, and this goes to the American justice system, this is one thing that he said, you are better off in our system if you're rich and guilty than poor and innocent. And um, just goes to the the different dynamics that money brings to the table. You know, money can buy you a really good attorney who can who can get you off even if you're guilty, you know, but the poor don't have that opportunity. Now, now here is an opportunity. And I know Brian's, if Brian was on the podcast right now, he would say this. When we say that though, we cannot let ourselves become cynical. That's right. We cannot say, well, the legal system's totally corrupt. There's nothing we can do. This is a hopeless situation. That goes, that can lend itself toward that, that fourth reason that we gave that we're prone to, uh, to, to not maybe want to do anything because we don't know what we can do. That's right. Brian Stevenson is living proof that you can make an enormous impact. Mm-hmm. This guy went to Montgomery, Alabama, out of Harvard Law. He starts EJI, and they have literally helped hundreds of people uh, experience justice uh, uh, that they had not experienced for, for crimes that they had not committed, that, that the evidence proved that they, or they had received an un uh, you know an overly harsh penalty for their crime you know one of the things that for example he in the book there's some stories about people with clear mental mm-hmm. handicaps mm-hmm. that some of whom were sentenced to death row yes so um but let me go back bets to the beginning part of this quote i i just talked we talked about the the second part this is very striking to me each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done mm. aren't you glad that's true amen i mean what if god viewed us as I'm going to judge you based on the worst thing you've ever said, thought, or did. Mm. And, you know, here, here's Brian. And, you know, a lot of these people, they have committed a crime. That's right. It, it's not as though um, every single person that he defends uh, or EJI comes next to, that doesn't mean they didn't commit the crime. But rather, what does justice look like for them in terms of getting a fair trial, in terms of them getting a fair sentence? Uh, but th- that to me was just a striking sentence that each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that that is true, mm. that uh, we are not forever defined by our sin or by a mistake or by a horrible choice that we made. But first of all, there's always forgiveness in Jesus. And second of all, as he would argue, even in this life, let that not be the definition of who we are. Amen. Right? Mm. All right, do you have a quote for us, Betts? Um, yeah, I do. This was an interesting one and goes to how we talked about racism isn't part of our lived experience. 
So this is Brian talking about the experience of racism. Um, Constantly being suspected, accused, watched, doubted, distrusted, presumed guilty, and even feared is a burden borne by people of color that can't be understood or confronted without a deeper conversation about our history of racial injustice. And he shares some stories in the books in the book of um, encounters that he has had with police, um, an encounter he had with a judge. I've heard him tell this story, and this was probably mm-hmm. in the book too. That's a striking story. Um, but he was yep. sitting at this was before a trial was to begin. He had come to sit um, at the defense table, and the judge entered the chamber and said, "You need to go back out until your lawyer gets here. You can't be in here until your lawyer is here." Assuming right off the bat, that he was uh, the defendant and not that he couldn't possibly be the attorney. So anyway, that was just a great reminder of, you know, there are things that we we can't understand necessarily that we need to, we need to listen to. You know, we've talked before about listening to understand or listening to respond. And I think these are times for us to listen to understand. Yeah, I mean, Bets, let me go back to part of that quote. Constantly being suspected, accused, watched, doubted, distrusted, presumed guilty, and even feared is a burden borne by people of color that can't be understood or confronted without a deeper conversation about our history of racial injustice. I mean, that's just powerful to think about what the experience must be like to uh, feel like, hey, I'm just, just because of my appearance— I, I am entering into situations where I feel like people are suspecting me to do something or, or that I have already done something. Um, that is something that, you know, I know I cannot relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because I can't relate to it doesn't mean it's not true for someone else. That's right. And, and so, yeah, that, that must be a tremendous burden that a person would bear. Mm -hmm. And we all know what it's like to bear burdens. Um, If you've ever been, if you ever had a a broken leg or something like that, hey, what's life like when you've had to live life with crutches? Well, a person should never have to um, experience a burden because of the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just not how God has designed this world to be. And of course, that's sad and wrong if that is in fact the case for many people. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So we want to go and move into the, um, I don't know if you call it an application in a podcast, but a so what. You know, we read this book, yep. we were so deeply moved and challenged. What do we do? What do we do with it? Do we, yeah. do we just feel guilty about and, and not do anything? Do we, I mean, do we, do we quit our jobs and dedicate our lives to this? Maybe someone would. Uh-huh. I love all the young lawyers at EJI. Oh, yeah. It's an awesome team that Absolutely. a lot of people are committing their lives to this. But that's, that's right. Well, so we, um, a few months ago, probably after I read the book, I came across um, a video on YouTube. It's called Grace, Justice, and Mercy, An Evening with Brian Stevenson and Tim Keller. We will link um, to that video mm-hmm. from our website so you can watch it. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, I think it's just over an hour. It starts with Tim Keller. Um, saying honestly, I might have skipped his part, and I'm 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 shocked. He gives to say a that. biblical <laughs> overview of justice. Yeah, he gives a biblical. Yeah, and it was I'm I I think I did watch it once, but that's I've watched we, it more than once. That's because we basically know what words are going to come out of Tim's mouth before yeah. he says them because we've do, listened to so much. I do feel that way. Um. So anyway, it is just 
so good. It will um, move you and and just it, it's just awesome. So anyway, just as a bit of a summary of what Brian Stevenson says, and again, you really need to watch it for yourself because we can't encapsulate everything he says. But he has four points of um, what do we do from here. Um, so th- these are the four, and then we'll break them down just a little bit. The first one is get proximate. Second one, change the narrative. Third one, stay hopeful. And fourth one, be willing to do uncomfortable things. Um, So first one, get proximate. What he's getting at there is seeing the brokenness and moving toward it rather than retreating. Um, Because it's so true. When you actually see something in your own experience, it changes the way that you think about things. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I have preached in only one prison in my life. I did it when I was in seminary, Mm. but you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to enter the prison and they search you and then you have to go through this door and the other door. And Bets, what do you think was going through my mind as I'm getting ready to do this? You know, what's going to happen to me? Are the, am I, am I getting ready to go into this situation with all these horrible human beings? You come in there, man, these guys were awesome. They -hmm. were so encouraging. They were amening a lot more than most Presbyterians do. <laughs> um, anyway, but it was it was not it was a it was a great experience. Mm. And my point is, I came in with all these presuppositions. Mm. I came in with my uh, ideas about these individuals. Mm. And and again, that's not to say that those individuals shouldn't be in prison, that they didn't commit a crime that they are now paying for. But for one. It also speaks to how people change. That's right. And how the Holy Spirit can work in hearts. Yeah. So get proximate. You, you get can't proximate. you can't push it away. Right. You gotta get in there. You gotta, you know, see it. Yeah. And you know, that might not always be the most clear. Like, well, how do we get proximate? And, you know, there are ways to get involved with ministries. We know that. I mean, there are things that our church does that you can get involved in. Um, and also I think we just need to pray that the Holy Spirit will make it really clear because this is a prayer that that God will answer. If this is the cry of your heart, Lord, I want to be a minister of healing. I want to be an agent of reconciliation. God's going to answer that prayer and he's going to give you a ministry somewhere. Amen. And I would give one practical thing. If you want to get proximate to the African-American experience, you have to know Mm African-Americans. You you have to, I mean, that's where it starts. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to befriend someone who has experienced uh, some kind of criminal injustice, but just to get proximate to say, I want to hear your experience. Yes. Tell me about that. Yep. So um, second up, Brian Stevenson says, change the narrative. And um, what he means by narrative is, you know, policies and... and, um, assumptions and all of these things are driven by narratives that we believe. He gave the example of, I think it was the late 90s when there um, arose this idea that some children were super predators, like they were so bad, there wasn't anything people could do to help them. And then um, the states lowered legal ages where children could be tried as adults. Um, So that was one thing that, that was an example of a narrative he gave. Um, But he would say the greatest evil narrative in our country in this arena is just the narrative of racial difference. You know, that that was created to legitimize and justify slavery. He would say in slavery ended in 19, in 1865, but the narrative didn't change. It just evolved. Yeah. Can I, can I make a distinction here between Christianity and evolution and, and atheistic evolution here? Yes. Okay. So let me say this. Sure. 
Christians believe the Bible says that everyone comes out of Adam and Eve, that 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 there is one race. There's mm. the human race, mm. and actually, uh, there there have been views. They've since all been disproven by science, uh, which of course is what we would expect as believers. That said, actually, people evolve separately. This was this was a justification, a scientific justification for why one skin color would say to another skin color, "Well, yeah, Africans are inferior because they evolve separately." Oh wow. Well, that's not true. The Bible says it's not true. Science has now proven it's not true mm. in terms of genetics. We could have a whole episode on genetics and how some of that stuff works. It's super interesting. Mm. But anyway, that's changed the narrative. Yeah, changed the narrative. So his point there, like, let's examine our assumptions. And um, I also, one other thing that I love is he talks about how it's so important to actually just talk about the racial legacy, like to mm. have uncomfortable conversations, because if we don't, nothing will change. Yep. Have you been to Germany? Mm-mm. Well, one Actually, of the, I think I have. One of the things. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, one of the things uh, Brian Stevenson talks about is he says if you go to if you go anywhere in Germany, you will see memorials to the Holocaust, Holocaust all over the place. You can't you can't go anywhere. You go to Berlin. You go to Frankfurt. You go wherever you are. You will see constant reminders to the German people that hey, this is a part of our history. May we never repeat it. Mm. And part of talking about the narrative is is sort of owning that this is part of our our uh, our national heritage and it's our, our, our part of our history. We're not proud of it, but we do have to acknowledge it, and therefore we're going to be far less likely to ever repeat it mm. when we are willing to acknowledge it. Mm. So third. Um Third point Brian Stevenson makes is stay hopeful. This is an awesome point. I love this. He says, hopelessness is the enemy of justice. I love and it. And I love it. That is um, just every Christian says, amen. We have to stay hopeful because nothing is beyond the power of God to heal and to restore. Yeah. When the devil says there's no way and, and the Holy Spirit says, yes, you can. Mm-hmm. There is a way. There is a path. And what Brian Stevenson has done, how he has ignited a movement how he has now written a book that is all over the place mm-hmm. is a testimony to uh, the power of staying hopeful. That's right. Uh, and finally, he says, be willing to do uncomfortable things. Um, he says, let's be willing to position ourselves in uncomfortable places. And um, that it, that can be really hard, um, but really, really amazing things can come out of that willingness. That's right. I need mm-hmm. to be willing to put myself in a place that is not necessarily the most natural place for me to learn, to listen, and to maybe take an action that you know God's calling me to take. That's right. Folks, you need to read this book. It's mm-hmm. called Just Mercy. It's not that long of a book. Maybe mm-hmm. you know a couple hundred pages, take you two, three weeks or a month, depending on, on, on the speed as a reader. But once you get, for me, I know it takes me about three months to read the first three chapters. I don't know if you've seen this, Bets. But then when I get hooked, it's like, oh, I'm yeah. all in. Yeah. And once I'm really into the book, I can't put it down. That's right. There's even a young reader's version um, that we had our, our oldest son read, and that is equally impactful. Um, he he read that book, and, he's, and I said, oh, what'd you think? And he said, it made me really mad. I said, oh, good. That's good. Be aware. <laughs> it should be aware. Make start mad. with the movie if you want to start with the movie. Yeah, that's right. Go to the book. Yep, that's right. So really a good one. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for joining us uh, for this book review of Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. Please check out the book. Betsy, tell our audience where they can find us on the World Wide Web. 
So we're on Facebook, guys. Our Facebook group is Intersect Podcast. We're also on Instagram at Intersect Podcast. And uh, if you have any feedback for us, if you had any thoughts about this book that you would like to share, we would love to hear from you. Our email is intersect at anyprez.com. Also, like we said, we will post links to a couple of related articles and that YouTube video on our website, which is www.anyprez.com slash podcasts. God bless. See you next time.